When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The fundamentals are there for inflation, I think, for a while. We don't necessarily need free money and zero interest rates forever. Washington at this point doesn't want to add regulation to Bitcoin. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. Another $6 trillion in spending is a little hard to imagine right now. Let's look at the student loan debt, which is absolutely staggering. The nation does need some infrastructure reform. We need to get some of this stuff done. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Live from Washington, where it's been a day. A bipartisan agreement announced on infrastructure, as you heard live today on Bloomberg Radio. President Biden, a group of 10 senators, Republicans and Democrats, emerged from a White House meeting with a breakthrough. We had a uh, really good meeting. And to answer your direct question, we have a deal. Coming up, we'll talk details with Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins who spent the day on Capitol Hill, will spend time as well with Jay Timmons, an exclusive conversation with the president of the National Association of Manufacturers. We'll talk about what this means for his industry, for jobs. And later, our conversation with Congressman Brendan Boyle, Democrat from Pennsylvania, about the grand debate that now begins. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, where I think we can say it's officially Infrastructure Week. Yes, we have a deal, as President Biden discussed today in a formal news conference in the East Room. I'm pleased to report that a bipartisan group of senators, five Democrats, five Republicans, part of a larger group, has come together and forged an agreement that will uh, create millions of American jobs and modernize our American infrastructure to compete with the rest of the world and own the 21st century. I want to pick through details now with Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins. It's great to have you, Emily. Thanks for all your reporting today. Oh, yeah. No, I've look. people have been calling it infrastructure week. They're trying to find a new uh, title. I've been offering infrastructure summer for a while, but this, this is going to be with us well until the end of summer, potentially into fall. It's, it's a it's a big step today, but we still have a lot to go. Yeah, we're going to roll up our sleeves here in the D.C. Bureau for the next couple of months. Let's talk specifics. The plan here includes five hundred seventy nine billion dollars in new spending. An important part here, the biggest chunk would go to transportation, Emily, roads, bridges, tunnels, public transit. Is that all new money for so-called hard infrastructure? Yes. So the $579 billion, that is all new spending that is meant to be going to projects to bolster what we have come to start calling traditional infrastructure, as you just pointed out, Joe, roads, bridges, things of that nature. The other thing that we're now hearing, and this is from Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, and President Biden himself, 
is that as they move this bipartisan infrastructure bill, Democrats are also going to be moving their own Democratic-backed reconciliation package. And that's some of the quote-unquote soft infrastructure or human infrastructure items, Mm -hmm. things like childcare, child tax credit, potentially education, expanding health care, expanding Medicare. So we're going to see the details of that bill come out. Senator Bernie Sanders is working on that. That's got a $6 trillion price tag. And the idea is that they want to move those two things together to make sure that progressives stay on board with the plan. Because if they just move the uh, the bipartisan infrastructure plan alone, there is concern that, that some progressives will say, hey, this isn't big enough and we can't support it. Yeah, this stuff gets to be pretty complicated, and we're going to be digging into this path forward throughout the hour. With regard to the bipartisan plan, though, the White House says it's $1.2 trillion. We've just identified $579 billion in new spending. What's that other money? Uh, it's old spending. It's, mu- it's mu- spending <laughs> that the government would have spent anyway on it. And this is this has been a weird quirk throughout the whole negotiating process where Republicans came up with a number and they're like, oh, it's, it's X trillion or X hundred billion. And it was actually, you know, with new spending, we want to make sure we're, we're being accurate with that. So technically, there are provisions in the bill that add up to one point two trillion. But just bear in mind that for, I think, what, seven hundred billion of that? That would have been money that the federal government was already planning to spend. Because remember, it's it's not uncommon for the federal government to pass highway bills, transportation bills. I mean, these are mm-hmm. things that in the past have moved through in a pretty bipartisan manner. It's just now they're trying to bolster it up to really give the economy a big boost after the, the downturn we've experienced over the last year and a half with COVID. Well, as you put it on Twitter, now all they have to do is agree on a budget resolution, pass that, get all Dems to agree on a reconciliation package, pass that, and raise the debt ceiling, oh, and pass spending bills. Uh, A long, hot summer ahead here, Emily. And we're just starting the debate around this bipartisan deal. How long could this go? You're suggesting fall for this to be wrapped up? Yeah, I've been you know, talking with people today on the Hill, other reporters, just trying to get a sense of, of what they think. I mean, this will take time. And let's remember, as of now, the, the U.S. Senate is gone for a two-week recess. They won't be back until mid-July. And then they have an August recess that, that's potentially coming up. Of course, the disclaimer is all of these could be could be cut short at some point. But, yeah, this is going to take a while because for this Democrat-backed budget reconciliation that we talk about, that can't happen until they pass a budget resolution. And the idea that, oh, because it's Democrat-backed, it'll be easy to do, it's just one party, is a really a false notion because Democrats are pretty far apart on what they want to see in a spending package. I mean, I was just talking to lawmakers, and you hear from more moderate lawmakers, uh, Josh Gottenheimer, said that he felt the proposed $6 trillion package would be too aggressive. But then you're hearing from progressives who say, well, $6 trillion is the floor. We'd really like to have a $10 trillion package. And then a question of what's in the package. And so there's still a lot of debate left to do on the Democratic side to pass these two bills. And even with that bipartisan Senate bill, everyone's on board, but the devil's in the details. And we just haven't seen the details yet. So a lot left to get done. And and we're, we're starting off with, with the Senate completely abandoning town for two weeks. Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins giving us a sense of what we're waiting into. Emily, thanks again for joining us from Capitol Hill. And we're glad to bring in Jay Timmons, president of the National Association of Manufacturers, who joins us exclusively today. The group represents more than 14,000 companies, nearly 13 million workers 
who stand to benefit from this plan. Jay, welcome to Bloomberg Radio. Thank you very much, Joe. Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you. We've heard time and again from the president, from lawmakers today supporting this bill, that this is a jobs plan. What does it mean for workers? Well, it is very much a jobs plan. I mean, we, um, which which is kind of a double-edged sword, um, mostly good news. But right now in the economy, we, we're looking at uh, 851,000 open jobs in manufacturing. You add on to that construction jobs that are open. We need people, and we need people to actually do these things. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do this investment. In fact, we've been pushing for, ironically, $1.2 to $1.3 trillion in spending on infrastructure uh, since the very beginning of this debate. Um, we really – Honestly, I, I think this is our time. It's been so many years that we've been talking about the need for additional uh, uh, investment in infrastructure, and I think we're actually on the path to get it done. I'm pretty excited about it. The association out with a statement today, manufacturers ready for bold bipartisan infrastructure investment. You've suggested in the past that you want to see this happen. Obviously, your group, your members are behind this. But as you point out, this is happening in the midst of a worker shortage and in the midst yeah. of an economic recovery, both of those colliding as we get into the second half of the year. You're out with your outlook for the second half. How do you do it without labor? Well, you don't. How do you get <laughs> labor really to come no. back then, Jay? Yeah, so that's that's the, the question, and that is what uh, we're grappling with. And, and honestly, this is not a new problem for manufacturers. We have even before the pandemic, we had a half a million jobs open in manufacturing that we couldn't fill. Um, that number dropped to 300,000 in the midst of the pandemic, but we still had a number of jobs that were open. And today, as I said, 851,000. That number, according to uh, data that's been provided by the Manufacturing Institute and Deloitte, will grow to about 2.1 million unfilled jobs by 2030 if we don't do anything about it. At the NAM and, and the Manufacturing Institute, uh, we've kicked off a pretty aggressive campaign. I'm, I'm really uh, uh, pretty inspired by it. It is uh, it's called Creators Wanted, and it aims to uh, appeal to the next generation of the manufacturing workforce by showing them what jobs in manufacturing can mean for them and for their families, what modern manufacturing is all about. Sometimes there's this outdated vision of what manufacturing is like you know during my grandfather's day he worked in manufacturing it's nothing like that it's it's very exciting it's very technology driven uh and uh frankly every time a young person kind of comes into a factory and sees what's going on they get pretty excited about it but we've got some work to do we've got some work to do to convince parents that this is a good um pathway for success for their kids and we also have to remind everybody that manufacturing pays more than any other sector of the economy. Our average wages are about $82,000. So um, we just need to get that message out. And when people hear it, they get excited. They come into the sector and and uh, and they want to be a part of it. Talking with Jay Timmons, president of the NAM, the National Association of Manufacturers, in a special infrastructure edition here of Bloomberg Sound On. Did you hear the president asked about this today, Jay? He said you want workers to come back, pay them more. Is it as simple as that? Oh, it's not as simple as that, but, I, you know, the president's right, and that's why manufacturers have have had really record uh, increases in wages. It's been about 3.3% uh, in the last year. That is the best, that is the best uh, growth rate in 21 years. Um, we've had, we've had and, and a lot of this was because, Joe, uh, because of the 2017 tax cuts. That was really rocket fuel for our uh, 
sector, and you saw record amounts of investment of manufacturing here in the United States. You saw record amounts of hiring, again, the best in 20 years, um, uh, that followed that uh, in manufacturing. And you saw this really exponential wage growth even during the pandemic. So I think, you know, I think the president is making the point that there's a lot of demand out there for, for products, and um, the supply is restricted because we don't have enough workers. So, um, you know, we're responding and we're we're raising wages in the sector. And uh, uh, the most important thing, though, I think, is is that we do focus on on training and skills opportunities for uh, for workers. We've been doing that. We've been upskilling our workers to kind of future proof the jobs of those who are in the sector and then providing training opportunities like through our Heroes Make America program on military bases and and uh, the FAME uh, apprenticeship program. There's lots of opportunities for for folks to get involved and plugged into the sector. Yeah. You talk about taxes, Jay, and it brings us to the question of how to pay for it. President Biden was asked about that today in the East Room. Here's what he said. And we're going to do it all without raising a cent from earners below $400,000. There's no gas tax increase, no fee on electric vehicles, and the fact is, we're going to help ensure that we make sure that everybody in America is in a position to be able to do what need be done. So if the president says no gas tax and Republicans on Capitol Hill say you can't hike the corporate tax rate, and they seem pretty dug in on both of those, does this become debt? Is this deficit spending? Well, you've got several several issues there that are kind of colliding. Um, Look, the president's been pretty clear and he's been pretty consistent that he doesn't want uh, user fees to pay for infrastructure improvements. Um, it has been a longstanding practice of this country to have users pay for the system. What the president is suggesting is really breaking from decades of, of, um, of practice and doing something a different way. He's the president. He's going to make that decision, obviously, ultimately, because mm-hmm. he holds the, the pen that will sign or veto it. For manufacturers, um, I, I think the president really is is um, in a kind of an odd situation because he wants to uh, he wants to increase employment opportunities and he wants to see the economy grow and and um, um, you know be able to, to to be a productive economy. But the reverse of what we just saw over the last three years where manufacturers invested and hired and, and grew their wages, if the corporate tax is increased, then you're going to see all that disappear. And I don't think that's what the president wants. So uh, we've been very clear that we want to see some alternatives. And we think that Congress has listened to us, and they don't want to risk the manufacturing renaissance that's going on right now in this country. So uh, we're hopeful that whatever this final package is, is not going to raise taxes on business. Mm-hmm. Then you ask about debt. Well, that's another way that we've funded infrastructure for, for decades as well. Um, we've funded capital projects. That is, that is the appropriate use of debt, like, like when you buy a house. You don't pay cash for it up front, typically. You finance it over, over 20 or 30 years. The same is true with infrastructure. These projects are designed and built to last for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. So it makes sense to pay for them over time. We would like to see a revenue source that's dedicated to the users. The president doesn't. 
but there are ways to debt finance these types of projects. I also find it a bit hypocritical of mem- from some members of Congress who have suddenly gotten religion on the issue of debt. We just we just debt financed five trillion dollars of general operating expenses. That is not typically how you pay for general operating expenses. That's that's the pay that's where pay as you go really needs to come in. So we do think that there's a role for debt in uh, in infrastructure financing, uh, among other options. And we've outlined those in our Building to Win proposal that we released, I think, four years ago, which uh, folks can find at nam.org/building-to-win. Jay, we're out of time. Uh, you've said in the past, though, that uh, hiking the corporate tax rate could eliminate as many as a million manufacturing jobs. Do you still believe that? So it's a million. Uh, we've we've done we've crunched the numbers. We've had some analysts look at it. It's a million jobs uh, in just the first year. It's actually six million dollars. So your members are not going to stand jobs. for a higher tax rate, obviously. Well, we don't want to lose six million jobs over ten years. So no, <laughs> I don't think anybody does. Jay Timmons, president of the National Association of Manufacturers. Thanks for a smart talk. Thanks for being with us exclusively on Bloomberg Radio. We turn to a lawmaker now. Welcome Congressman Brendan Boyle, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, as part of our Infrastructure Hour. Thank you for joining us on a busy day, Congressman. I'm so glad it's finally Infrastructure Hour in America. (laughs) (laughs) If not Infrastructure Summer, as our friend Emily Wilkins was saying, you represent part of Philadelphia, most of suburban Montgomery County. Will you vote for this bill? Yeah, well, I still want to see uh, all the details which need to be fleshed out. But I I certainly at this point, I would be very likely to go down this uh, twin track uh, approach. Um, A lot of the things that are that uh, are in the outline of the infrastructure bill are things that I've been pushing for for a long time, including willing to vote on a bipartisan basis if if President Trump was willing to, to come out for them. Uh, four years ago, which would have actually been a more challenging vote for me. So I'm excited about it. I will say, though, um, we're not there yet. And what I mean by that is twofold. First, Mitch McConnell is the biggest, uh, most successful obstructionist in Congress in my lifetime. Let's see what he does in terms of those 10 Republican senators and whether or not they really hold And then the second challenge is this sort of delicate dance that needs to be done with both the bipartisan infrastructure bill that was Mm -hmm. announced today as well as the second human infrastructure bill that will be strictly on a democratic reconciliation basis. The the dance here is going to be important um, to getting this passed both the Senate but then also especially the House where we have a very slim majority. President Biden had a message today for progressives uh, in the party who have been skeptical of his working with Republicans or coming up with this deal. You mentioned potentially skepticism that the Republican senators in this deal stay on board. Here's what the president said. I know there are some of my party who discouraged me from seeking an agreement with our Republican colleagues who said that we should go bigger and go alone. To them, I say this. I've already shown in my young presidency that I'm prepared to do whatever needs to get done to move the country forward. Congressman Boyle, did he do it the right way, or should he have gone bigger and alone? No, I, look, I completely agree with the president and the approach that he's taken. I think today is a very good day. And I felt quite proud as I was watching that press conference on the White House grounds. Um, I mean, it seemed like what was the old norm um, before the last several years, a big group. Uh, working together on a bipartisan basis 
uh, hearkening back to an age where you had uh, a little bit less in terms of polarization. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he took exactly the right approach, and I'm hoping that over the next month we will get there and there will be a, a signing ceremony for two truly transformative bills. I'm also realistic enough to know that you know we're not quite there yet, but today is a very good day. The president went out of his way, as did the senators who were with him at the White House earlier, that this was a true compromise, that both sides gave up stuff they wanted. We're looking at $312 billion for transportation, the stuff that people can get their heads around on both sides of the aisle, roads, bridges, tunnels, public transit. What does your district need, Congressman, and is that enough? Uh, all of the above and more. <laughs> so, so it's um, not look, enough. I, I, I no. When I say, I mean, I, I was being a little bit flippant when I say and more because, in my view, you can't spend enough really on on infrastructure. Um, I like the 300 billion that, that's outlined in terms of transportation. Actually, I think that 300 billion figure does not include public transit and passenger and freight rail, which I saw separated out when you add them in. Yeah, it's 66 billion for yeah, uh, and then for, and another 49 for public transit. You're correct. Right. Yeah. So, which is very important. I mean, you know, representing one of the biggest cities in the country, without our public transit system, which is in Philadelphia, SEPTA, um, our economy doesn't run. So that's incredibly important. Uh, Amtrak. I say, you know, as a user myself, in representing a city that's smack dab in the middle of the Northeast Corridor. Yep. That is incredibly important, and frankly, our, um, our uh, rail system lags behind almost every one of our European and Asian competitors. But I'd also point out the, the traditional roads and bridges. You know, five years ago when 60 Minutes did a report about the crumbling infrastructure in the United States, literally the state they came to as Exhibit A was Pennsylvania, and the district they came to was my district, where a, a good part of I-95 which in Philadelphia is mostly a series of bridges, is actually falling apart. So uh, this is needed nationally, but I would say that uh, certainly in my city and in my district, it, it is really needed. Electric vehicles, uh, electric vehicle infrastructure, that includes a lot of different components, including the charging stations, $15 billion. It's a lot less than the president asked for. How much of an issue is that for you as we continue this conversion away from fossil fuels? It's really exciting when you talk to, as I have, the the U.S. domestic automakers and what they're planning to roll out over the next several years. I mean, we're going to see over the decade of the 20s just an incredible transformation. But in order to accelerate that, we need to have a better infrastructure right now. Um, You know, a decade ago, I was someone who was interested in an electric vehicle myself. I realized it wasn't an option for me because I was someone who was doing long-distance driving now those electric vehicles are being able to go uh, farther, but there still need to be far more charging stations, and that's a, a proper role for government. So I, I would like to see that beefed up in the bill. I think the president's number was right on that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if there, in that second bill if there's more that we can do in terms of accelerating the transition to clean energy. There's a lot of Teslas parked in driveways in suburban Montgomery County. <laughs> Well, you know, not just Tesla's, too, which obviously, you know, has a certain image, right, as yeah. a very sort of upper-income type person. But yes. now when you see the price points of these electric vehicles and where they're projected ahead over the next several years, I mean, we're just – we're not that far away from seeing the, the time in which there is little to no price difference 
between an electric vehicle and your traditional or hybrid vehicle. Just wait for Ford and GM to show up. They have big plans in the next several years. Congressman Brendan Boyle, Democrat from Pennsylvania. I know you're a busy man today. I want to thank you for joining us as part of our Infrastructure Hour on Bloomberg Sound On. Happy to. Thank you. The bipartisan deal on infrastructure that we're talking about was announced today at the White House. Around lunchtime, the 10 senators behind the bill emerged from a meeting with the president wearing big smiles. And I'm pleased to see today we were able to come together on a core infrastructure package. This is not non-infrastructure items without new taxes and with the commitment from Republicans and Democrats alike that we're going to get this across the finish line. Senator Rob Portman, Republican from Ohio, earlier in the White House driveway, and we're joined now by Brandon Neal, Democratic strategist, senior director at APCO, former political director for the Democratic National Committee, former advisor to Pete Buttigieg, former political director for Congresswoman Karen Bass, long business card as well. Lonnie Chen, fellow in public policy studies at the Hoover Institution, and former policy director for Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign, who's also senior advisor to Marco Rubio's campaign four years later. So we have a couple of experts with us. Welcome to both of you. Lonnie, I want to start with you, uh, known as the orchestra leader behind the Romney campaign. Of course, Mitt Romney was one of those 10 senators behind this deal. He's standing there in the driveway, and he spoke today at the White House. One of the big surprises I had coming to Washington was the sense that uh, while everybody was fighting with each other, you know what, we get along really well. This group gets along very well. My colleagues in the Senate, we work together. And it's been years and years, people have been talking about the infrastructure needs of our country. We know that. We recognize the crumbling infrastructure. And this group came together and actually got a job done. Got it done. Lonnie, what's motivating Mitt Romney and his colleagues, his nine colleagues, to play along with the president here? It's a lot easier to pander to your base and to your leadership. Well, I think there's a recognition that infrastructure is one of those issues that can benefit both Republicans and Democrats. Republicans and Democrats drive on the same roads. Mm -hmm. They utilize the same infrastructure resources. And so it's important for uh, the two sides to come together and recognize that there can be mutual benefit in doing something like this. In terms of uh, Senator Romney, I I think in particular, he has always been someone who has been willing to speak his mind and has been willing to be involved in in these conversations to to get good policy done. And I think that's what's motivating people like Rob Portman and others who uh, are involved in these discussions, who I think very much are interested in getting to the right outcome. And in this case, I think they got there. Uh, As far as we can tell from the reporting, the idea of support for a physical set of infrastructure reforms uh, that will be that will be paid for in, in substantial part. I think that's largely where at least the Republicans wanted to get. And I think they should see this as a success. And Democrats should as well. It's one of the rare opportunities that we have to celebrate bipartisanship in Washington. It sure is. But Mitt Romney has been isolated in many cases by his own party for, for seeking a bipartisan route. What brings him back to the table again, and in this case, again? Well, I mean, look, as I said, I think he's interested in getting to a solution, and he's always been interested in getting to a solution, and that's what you saw here. Uh, He saw potential. He saw opportunity. And there were other Republicans who joined him in that effort, and other Democrats, too. I mean, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, obviously on the left, and you know, people like Susan Collins and, uh, and, and Rob Portman, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, and others on the right. So I, I think this was one of those examples of where uh, people saw opportunity. And again, you know, you don't have Republican roads or Democratic roads. You just have opportunities to, to bring the two sides together. And I think hopefully uh, the agreement they, they reach will get across the finish line. 
Brandon Neal, it's great to have you with us as well today. I want to ask you about progressives in the Democratic Party who do not favor compromise in this case. Were the president dealing with Republicans or trusting Republicans, as he said, on their word? And President Biden, it seemed, had a message for them today. In talking about the way this is being handled, speaking directly to the money that was delivered already to many Americans and the money that has yet to come. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. Whispering. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week for child care. A lot has been happened already, number one. Number two, I'm going to fight like heck to get them the rest of what I think has to be done. Does Joe Biden, I don't know why we're whispering, now risk losing progressives in his party on this bipartisan deal? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Secondly, uh, I did not, you, you didn't mention I spent all eight years in the Obama administration at the U.S. Department of Transportation <laughs> in the office of the secretary. So I know infrastructure, I know transportation. Look, I need today, a second page for your bio, Brandon. It's too long. <laughs> Oh, no. It's, uh, listen, I, I know transportation. I know the infrastructure. I, I know how it's done. Today is a great day for the Biden administration in terms of putting points on the scoreboard. In terms of progressives, look, since day one, he's been running on and he's been sharing that he came into the office promising to find common ground to get things done, and he's delivering on that promise. So today's announcement is more or less a follow-up to what he's been campaigning on, talking about the largest long-term investment in our infrastructure and our competitiveness in this country. And that speaks to our economy so it can be more sustainable, resilient, and just. And very similar to my colleague said, I'm going to use a quote that a former Secretary Ray LaHood said, there is no such thing as a Democratic road or Republican bridge. So with that said, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to bring everyone to the table. We only have a minute left uh, before uh, we move on to the reconciliation, but I'd like to hear from both of you just on the big number here. $579 billion, more than $300 billion of that is for transportation. Is that enough, Brandon? That's never enough, but I, I will say this, though. I think it will bring opportunity for jobs, uh, more jobs for this economy, especially for small businesses. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about building this economy, about re re bringing, bringing us back better, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to put more people to work, rebuilding, and also modernizing some of our bridges and some of our infrastructure as well. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Live from Washington, thank you for joining us on a special infrastructure edition of Bloomberg Sound On, a bipartisan deal finally reached today by 10 senators, Republicans, Democrats. The president says he will not sign that bill, 
unless the Senate passes his human infrastructure bill through reconciliation. And that follows a very similar take earlier in the day from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She briefed reporters before we even heard about a deal. In fact, I use the word ain't. There ain't going to be an infrastructure bill unless we have the reconciliation bill passed by the United States Senate. We're joined this hour by Brandon Neal, Democratic Strategist, Senior Director at APCO, former political director for the Democratic National Committee, the Obama administration, and uh, spent quite a number of years at the Transportation Department. Lonnie Chen is also here currently with the Hoover Institution, former policy director for Mitt Romney's presidential campaign in 2012, among others. Brandon, Joe Biden has made it clear he will not sign the bill without his human infrastructure bill moving through reconciliation. This is a delicate dance. Will it work? I believe in our president and I believe in our our leader. I do think it will work. I do think, however, it is tricky Uh, looking at any time you do reconciliation. It's always it's always a tricky uh, piece considering the move on filibustering. You know, filibustering is something that has always been historically uh, something negative as it relates to passing things because of the history of it. It was filibustering during the Civil Rights Act, filibustering pre-reconstruction as well, too. And those filibustering laws, so to speak, were there to prevent people, uh, particularly uh, people of color or those working class people from moving ahead. So in this particular case, you know, if we have people, 50 Democrats who are in, in, uh, supportive in addition to uh, on the other side as well, too, I think we could uh, we could possibly do it. But I do have faith in the president and I have faith in our leadership. Lonnie Chen, what do you think about this strategy? Is is it workable? And and how about Brandon's point on the filibuster? Well, it's workable to the extent that Democrats could do it if they wanted to. They they have the votes, obviously, to advance a budget reconciliation package on a party line vote in the Senate, and uh, you know get that across the finish line. I think the question is, does that compromise the ability of uh, them to garner Republican support on this infrastructure package? Right. I think a number of Republicans are um, are leery, frankly, of going along with this package if one of the preconditions for it is that, as Nancy Pelosi says, that infra- the, uh, the infrastructure bill can't come to the floor of the House until they've got uh, a reconciliation package first. And you know, I think Republicans will see that as an act of bad faith. And I think a number of them, uh, you know, as a result, probably won't sign on. Now, will it be enough to, to jeopardize the infrastructure package? I'm not sure, because remember, you've already got five Republicans who are supporting the infrastructure package because they helped negotiate it. And, you know, getting another five probably wouldn't be that difficult. But if Democrats insist on this sort of uh, notion of doing reconciliation first, uh, you know, it may get a little bit harder to get those five Republicans on the margin to pass infrastructure uh, in in the traditional way. So um, I think Democrats have to be very careful here not to overplay their hand. I think they have an opportunity here to score a win-win. And it's a question of sequencing and timing and what the president decides to do. So this could come down to just a couple of votes. It sounds like, uh, Lonnie, what do you make of the number? Uh, I, I wanted to ask you this earlier, $579 billion. When it comes time to actually debate this, how would you be advising Republican lawmakers? Is that enough money? Well, yeah, I think that given the amount of fiscal stimulus we've had over the last several months, it's enticing to think that 
$579 billion or, or, or whatever the final figure they arrive at is not substantial. Um, it, it is. It is a substantial amount of money. Um, you know, the package as a whole, uh, according to some estimates, is going to be priced at over a trillion dollars. Uh, there was a day in, in not too distant memory when a trillion dollars was a lot of money. And so there, there is a lot in here for physical infrastructure. I'm just seeing, in fact, a, a fact sheet that's coming across from the senators who were involved in the negotiations. There's a lot of investment here in things we need in our country, physical infrastructure, water infrastructure, uh, things that are badly needed in urban areas, rural areas. So you would hope that the Democrats don't compromise this by trying to stuff more into the package when there's been an agreement already on an amount of money that Republicans are comfortable with and believe can be paid for. Brandon Neal, as we consider the human infrastructure bill, as I guess people are now calling it, that's what we're going to go with. Uh, the president talked about this today as well, and he was in the driveway with the 10 senators looking at his Republican colleagues. He put his hand on Rob Portman's shoulder and he said, you know, not everybody's on board with this. Republicans and this group did not want to go along with any of my family plan issues, the child care tax credits, the human infrastructure that I talk about. And uh, that we'll see what happens in a reconciliation bill in the budget process. Start talking about human infrastructure, the caring economy, some of the semantics we've been hearing from the White House and from Democrats on Capitol Hill, uh, Brandon. Do we need to define this more specifically before we bring this to the American people, the sales pitch? I can only assume we'll have a lot to do with this. How do we define human infrastructure? Brandon, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Uh, how, I do, am. how do you I, define uh, human infrastructure in this case? And do we need to be more specific about it? So when I hear it, I hear it, it goes back to his original campaign slogan of build back better, a vision of reality for Americans. And so I think immediately of some of the things that, are not necessarily or weren't considered a part of roads, bridges, and infrastructure, but something that we became heavily reliable on during this past year, during obviously during the COVID. So like high-speed internet and, and having making sure that broadband adoption and broadband ability and capability and access is for, for all Americans. Uh, making sure that jobs are available as well, too. The expansion of renewable energy, I think about energy and clean water in areas that particularly weren't always uh, uh, seen as having clean water. And I think this is an opportunity to really level the playing field for, for everyone. So as it relates to human infrastructure, I think we broaden the term, uh, and it's no longer just the roads and bridges, but other daily uh, activities that affect our life. You know, when you look at transit, you also have to think about urban areas and communities uh, where people take the train to get to work or take the bus to get to work. And so if these particular areas are not at its best, or it's a broken down system that affects the everyday person in the human life. A lot so of those items, though, broadband, for instance, you've got $65 billion for broadband. There's a lot of money for clean water in the, in the so-called hard infrastructure bill. Uh, Lonnie, is, is, is the sale to Republicans on human infrastructure already lost? I haven't heard a Republican lawmaker, at least we've had on Bloomberg Radio, warm up to this, even if it's regard to yeah. child care to get people back to work or however it's framed. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be a very tough sell. Uh, I, I think that there are a number of progressive priorities that are included in uh, in the president's, uh, he wants to call it human infrastructure. You can call it a progressive wish list. 
as well. I think there's a number of ideas in there that uh, that Republicans have made very clear from day one they're, they're not going to support. They're not going to support for policy reasons because it's bad policy, but also because in some cases it's, it's simply fiscally unsustainable. For whatever reason you oppose it, though, it's pretty clear that that pursuing this approach again, of advancing you know, one package and making that a prerequisite for considering the bipartisan deal on physical infrastructure, that to me is a recipe for failure. And if the president wants a bipartisan win, there's an easy bipartisan win sitting in front of him right now. He can claim victory and, and work on the other stuff down the road. He's got opportunities to do that. So you know, I, I think they can be politically smart about it, and hopefully they'll do that. But they may not have a choice. Nancy Pelosi and, and the progressives in the House may not give uh, the president that choice. They may, in fact, insist on, as Pelosi has done so far, insist on this uh, you know, so-called human infrastructure bill coming first. And I think that sequencing, again, would be a recipe for disaster for the president. Well, and the president did make clear he's, he's on board with that, that that is the path that has been chosen. They're in agreement on both sides of Pennsylvania Avenue. Can I ask you both before you leave about the timeline here? Will this take until fall, Brandon Neal? I don't think so. I think that uh, we're in a good space. I think uh, through conversations on both sides, I think the president and the vice president are doing a great job bringing both parties together. Um, as we saw these past 24 hours, um, do I think it will happen uh, before they go on recess? I, you know, uh, I'm aiming for yes. I'm being positive. So I'm yeah. a uh, for the future. So, yes. We're talking about votes in July, Lonnie Chen. Is that realistic? Well, it's a tight time frame. The Senate's not in all that much in July. So oh. if they're going to get it through the Senate by July, they've got to move quickly and work out some of these details, particularly around the financing of the package. Brandon Neal, Democratic strategist, Lonnie Chen with the Hoover Institution, Republican policy strategist and advisor. It's great to have both of you with us today on Bloomberg Sound On. Thanks for your insights. We're just getting started with this whole thing. Months likely left in this debate. Don't make the president whisper again. I got them $1.9 trillion. We're going to be back with more of this tomorrow, of course, as we work our way through what's going to be infrastructure summer. And a special edition of Bloomberg Sound On, our infrastructure hour. So glad that you could spend time with us as we learn a little bit together every day here on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We'll check the markets. We'll check traffic straight ahead right here on Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.